This episode contains adult content of a sexual nature. We discuss sex and masturbation throughout the entire episode. You're listening to Bite Sized Beauty, a podcast by Adore Beauty that breaks down the topics you want to hear more about into easy to listen to bite sized series. From sex to skin, we can guarantee there's something for everyone. So go on, sink your teeth into it. So on today's episode, we're going to start our cringy combo with some sexy resources that you can continue on with after your after dark journey. Then we're chatting to sexologist Chantal Otten um, and we wanted to go on a bit of a deep dive of what happens when you see a sexologist and of course the products we didn't know we needed. So for today's cringy combo, um, I really wanted to say to the listeners that these episodes are, you know, 30 to 40 minutes. We are just like touching the surface of sex and sexuality. And there's just so much more. If you have really enjoyed these episodes, there are some great resources and other podcasts out there that will help you continue your after dark journey. So I wanted to start with the book that I'm reading at the moment, which I've mentioned previously, which is Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Sam, I really think you should get onto this this book as well. Every like person in the industry that I speak to recommends this book. Um, and basically I'll give you the little booktopia um, description. So for much of the 20th and 21st centuries, women's sexuality was an uncharted territory in science, studied far less frequently and far less seriously than its male counterpart. That is until Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are, which used groundbreaking science and research to prove that the most important factor in creating and sustaining a sex life filled with confidence and joy is not what the parts are or how they're organized, but how you feel about them which I think is very true. Yes, I like that. This Mm. sounds great. I'm actually doing the audio book. So it's she actually um, narrates it and it's a great read. So that is the first one. Now, I actually haven't read this one, but I've heard great things about it is The Vagina Bible by Jen Gunter. So basically what um, she does is separates the myth from the medicine. Um, She's a women's health expert. Um, So she talks about things like the vaginal microbiome, genital hygiene, lubricants, hormone myths, how diet impacts vaginal health, cosmetic vaginal surgery, um, what changes to expect during pregnancy and menopause and how medicine fails women by dismissing symptoms. We've talked a lot about the clitoris on this podcast. So I feel like that's going to be the book on my neck that's the next book on my reading list definitely yeah I feel like as a vulva owner and as many of our listeners will be as well there's a huge like gap of information Mm. that you just don't have and and we're always so interested to learn about you know our skincare and our hair and other parts of our body Mm. and like you know how does our like dieting work and appetite and that type of thing then when it comes to your vagina you're just like oh well yeah but it's actually so much more complicated than all these other functions in your body 100% and as like we've spoken about like I learned like and I learned about this like ages ago but when you learn that like internal penetration may not give you what you see in the movies like you may not have that same experience like Mm. the movies don't show clitoral stimulation I know I'm sorry but it just doesn't they really don't I'm trying to recall (laughs) a single scene yeah Blue Valentine actually does Blue Valentine he goes down Ryan Gosling goes down and that is an amazing I love that scene like yes 
that's very real yeah yeah in the very shower real. I remember that <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> so the next one we we actually interviewed Juliet Allen together I on um love Juliet Allen I have been listening to her podcast since same then. Yeah. I so love her it. podcast so I lo- she's like a sex witch it's amazing she's amazing <laughs> absolutely we both highly recommend that that podcast another podcast is search engine sex with rowdy walden i've actually interviewed him on this it's a spotify series and he was on the previous season of after dark and that's really like answering the most googled questions that people have about sex the other one is sex with emily um that's like one of the longest running sex Mm. podcasts she is just she has like such a confidence and a matter of fact openness about sex and sexuality. I find it. And also it's really fun. I find the conversations and the people that she has on is, yeah. is a really fun time. Not serious, not too serious. Now I haven't done a lot of this cause I'm not in a relationship, but Esther Perel, I do watch her YouTubes. Have you done any Esther Perel people? No. Guys have told, two guys on dates have told me that they've read Mating in Captivity and it like changed their lives. Um, <gasps> so I really want to read Mating in Captivity by Esther Perel. Okay. All right. Definitely. I mean, God, could there be a more apt title <laughs> right now? <laughs> Mating in Captivity. <laughs> and then the final one is, this is probably the thing that this is just for me, but and we've talked about it a lot with the experts is about communication. But for me, vulnerability is such a key part to like intimacy. I think that that's probably mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. important part for me is being vulnerable. And so I'm doing a lot of Brene Brown at the moment and you probably don't associate Brene Brown and, you know, sex, but I just think that vulnerability is such a big part of it like I'm really attracted to like vulnerability in men like that's what I'm attracted Mm. to so it's Mm. actually I also need to get really vulnerable I've read that book I love it it's so interesting how she points out that what we see as weaknesses in ourselves Mm. and and vulnerabilities other people see as areas of, of huge strength yeah. And courage. And I think that really relates to sex as well. 100%. Because being vulnerable and saying, you know, exposing yourself and your desires to someone feels really scary. But to someone listening to that, it's so courageous. And you actually mm. like really admire and appreciate someone sharing those types of like emotions. Now, what I will say is sometimes being vulnerable um, with someone new, I'm okay being vulnerable to people I know, but if Mm -hmm. I, like my therapist has said to me, like, I guess I've just become, I feel really ready. I don't know if how I feel about sharing this on this podcast, but I'm doing it. It's a safe space. Go for it. (laughs) I I feel that I've only just feel like I'm ready to meet someone. I've sort of been on the fence and I haven't been quite sure about what I want from my life and felt confused about what kind of partner I wanted and I'm really clear now. And like, as part of that is like, I got to get vulnerable. Like I like, mm. and I'm so Brene Brown says, it's not about like letting it all hang out. It's about like, for me, it's like little things that, you know, then you just like slowly get to know someone. And I'm really, I think vulnerability is really sexy. So anyway, I did start getting vulnerable with this guy recently and I swear to God, it gave me diarrhea. Like it was, <laughs> Like, that's very vulnerable. Like, I swear, I was like, holy sh**. I, like, I'm getting diarrhea from this. Like, it was making my stomach twist in knots. And I was like, what the hell? 
so yeah, that's where I'm at in my like I like I think that's because like I think dating is really hard. It's like the chicken and the egg. Like, do you get vulnerable or do you wait until you've known like which one comes mm, first? And mm. I think that's but then like a, you can't ever really know someone until you no. are vulnerable. And that's the fine line I think that we kind of have to when you're dating and you're trying to and you're trying to build intimacy with someone that's the fine line that you kind of got to walk. And anyway, Mm. it can sometimes Mm. lead to (laughs) some stomach problems. (laughs) Our next guest, Chantelle Otten, is a Melbourne-based psychosexologist. She's passionate about empowering people to feel great about their sexual health and sexuality. Welcome to After Dark, Chantelle. Thank you so much. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. We're all in lockdown, so... It's nice to do something. Yes. Well, this is your second time on a podcast. We did have you on very, very early on. I feel like that was a million years ago. We did that in person, if you can believe it, back (laughs) when we recorded these things in person. But what I really wanted to start with was a little bit about your job as a sexologist, what you do and what's sort of the best part about your job. Okay. So... I do lots of things. You know what? A sexologist is someone who is interested in people's sex lives. We research people's sex lives. We are always curious. And my job is predominantly as a psychosexologist, meaning that I work from a psychological angle to look at why people are having questions about their sex life, concerns, or maybe they just want to have more fun. You know, Mm -hmm. I see... Anyone and everyone, all genders, all sexualities, ages, you know, predominantly from like 16, 15 upwards. But I also see people that are in their 80s. You know, my oldest mm-hmm. patient has been in their early 90s. So um, I love that. Yeah. Oh. Sex, you know, we all want to have a fun time. And mm. I think that you know, my job is to really also normalize conversations around sex and make sure that they're not taboo. Um, Obviously, a lot of my job in the media is around that kind of commentary. Uh, And then I run the largest psychosexology practice in Australia. So I have over 20 staff who work for me locally um, in Collingwood in Melbourne, but also internationally, I have a lot of staff as well who do online sessions and work with people from different cultures. So yeah, that's a that's a little bit about my job. The best part of my job is really like giving a safe space for people to come and talk about things, even if I can't get them what they need, which usually I can, to be honest. I'm quite good at my job. Um, but in saying that, the most important part is just that foundation of having a safe space and someone to talk to without feeling like they're going to be judged. On there, because well, you were just saying like the sort of the molding of sexology with psychology and then you said the person in their 90s I just read a book that really triggered it I read a book about he's an existential um, psychotherapist and he lost his wife and he was writing about during that grief all he could he was having all these sexual fantasies and he was like saying that was kind of there wasn't a lot of research on it but I guess the two are really connected Oh my God, absolutely. The biggest sexual organ is your brain. I don't know if you feel like maybe a lot of people are under the impression that the body just does it. Like they're like, oh yeah, just like the body just, it's an automatic reaction. Absolutely not. Everything we do is controlled by our brain. So Mm -hmm. yes, there are physiological reasons why we behave in a certain way, or maybe the way we get aroused is because our body's feeling turned on, you know, it's getting touched in a certain way, but it's all controlled up in the top end of the body. Um, There's also like 
So psychological reasons why things may go right or may go wrong. There's cultural reasons. So the way we learn about sex, our religion, our family values, our cultural values. And then there's also interpersonal factors. So like our relationship with our sexual partner, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship, like a big one for me in the past 12 months is really talking to my patients about their support networks and groups, because Mm -hmm. this is a year, like the past 18 months, people aren't being like putting up with, I don't know if I can swear, but people aren't putting up with shit anymore. Yeah. You know, we're learning about toxic traits. We're learning about behaviors and I don't know anyone that wants to be in like a friendship with someone that's going to make them feel like judged or is going to offload on them. Or, you know, we're trying to look at at a place where we can all be a little bit more balanced on holistic on all facets of our lives. And the way our friendship group is uh, behaving is also impactful on our sex life as well. What what we think mm. is normal or not. Mm. That's mm-hmm. such an interesting idea, actually. I feel like how comfortable I am talking about sex really depends on which friends I'm with. Sort mm. of less so than my own level of comfort. It's more about who am I with and how do I alter what I'm talking about to match the friends. Uh, look, half the time, like mm. the last thing that I talk about is sex in my therapy room. Um, a lot of mm. it is like building a strong foundation for the individual to feel solid in their life and to feel self-esteem but also sexual self-esteem before moving on to the treatment part of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously as a sexologist, you're super comfortable talking about sex. Have you always been this open or was there kind of like a moment that hit you where you really decided to embrace your sexuality? Uh, I've always been comfortable. I've always been so comfortable. Um, look, I have a Dutch family. Um, my mom's born in Australia. My dad is born in Holland. And we have... There's four kids in the family. One of my siblings is intellectually disabled and we just have a very open family. Like we really prioritize mental health. We really prioritize relationships. Um, I think it's it's like, it's just been passed on. Like my dad was married before he was with my mom and then they, they have like this ongoing love affair of over 30 years. And they were always saying like sex is super important, but then also for us, Like we have mental health issues in my family. I lost my cousin when he was young to mental health issues. So we've always been very open around talking about this. And they have always been like, you should be having sex. Like if it's fun and it's pleasurable, you need to be having it within like within yourself, but also within a relationship. And we were always having like just really open chats, not like detailed chats, like, oh, like dad, guess what I did? It was this and this. It was more like... (laughs) It was more like if there was anything wrong, I could talk to them. But also um, they like tell me like I know that they're having sex all the time. So, (laughs) you know, we were just it was always fine for me. Um, But, you know, I think that's also like. And just a cultural thing, like in Dutch culture, it's not like we go into details, but we do prioritize things like this. And sex is a bit more open in the way that we we discuss it. And I spent most of my early 20s, you know, living in Holland, studying sexology. So I think like definitely I'm probably the most open about it, probably too much sometimes. No, I don't think so at all. Your Instagram is the like perfect level. Seriously, (laughs) I love it. Um, Do you think back to like the families, like do you think that the way that we're brought up, like how heavily does that influence our attitudes towards sex as we get older? Well, I mean, if you're told for the earlier part of your life when all of your levels of like 
I don't know what's appropriate. Like your learned lessons are being taught in your very early years. And if people are saying like sex is bad, you shouldn't be doing it. You need to wait for marriage. You know, Mm. it needs to be penis in vagina. You need to have an orgasm. Like all of these narratives are being taught to you. You're going to bring that into the bedroom because these are years where it's very formative for your young mind and you're learning lessons on what is social, what a social construct is for you, mm-hmm. what your sexual social construct is. And I think that that's kind of why I have a full time job, a very full time job, because we have all been taught different things about sex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I grew up in a Catholic household. I know that. But we didn't never had a narrative pushed on to us in a certain way. Um, and I think that's because my mom was much more open with that kind of thing and kind of made sure that we were able to make our own decisions about what was right. But I do know that, like, I never received sex ed in school. So how are you meant to move forward after, you know, year 12? And I don't even remember. Are you 17 when you finish year 12? Like, Mm -hmm. that's 17, 18. Yeah, I was 17. I was, like, one of the young, young people. But, like, we leave and we're meant to navigate life with no handbook like telling us how to do that. And you're having sex. You're not taught about safe sex, really. You're not taught about a safe environment, which is the most important part. That's something that we learn about in Holland. Like, if you want to have sex, yeah, wear a condom. Everyone says wear a condom, whatever. What if you don't have a safe environment to wear a condom in? What if you're having sex, like, in someone's car, in a car park, or you're having sex, like, around the side or, like, in someone's bathroom at a party? Like, these are the kind of experiences that my friends were having growing Mm -hmm. up because their parents never allowed them to have a safe space for them to Mm. have sexual interactions that were comfortable, you know? And that's where we get a lot of these narratives coming in too. Like, I'm not allowed to do it at home. And that's probably the case for a lot of people. I'm not allowed to have someone over. I'm not allowed to do this. All those preventions are just going to make your child go do it somewhere else. You know, if we want something, we're going to go try it. And especially when it comes to sex and romantic romantic kind of um, narratives. So... Um, I do think that, yes, our early, (laughs) coming back to the real question, (laughs) I do think that, yes, our earlier narratives are super, super fundamental. I also found with the educate, like the piece of the part of the education that I really would have liked as someone that was like a young teen or like around the 16, 17 mark is like communication, Mm. like being able to talk about it with your partner more openly. Because I remember like early boyfriends, like it was always this like awkward conversation and it was something that you learned as I anyway learned as I got older. Do you see that with patients that it's like that they find it really hard to actually communicate with their partners, sexual partners? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that's because majority of vulva owners are kind of taught that pleasure isn't really for them and that they should be having sex with a penis owner um, to feel pleasure because that's what we get shown a lot in movies and narratives and you know mm. we talk about wanking and jacking off and we don't really talk about the vulva mm. or how to label it we just you know we all used to say like vagina vagina that kind of thing but we, we're starting to get to a point where we're labeling our genitals properly mm-hmm. but I also think that you know we, we were also taught a lot about like 
heteronormative sex, like cisgendered sex, you know, penis and vagina sex. We don't get taught that sex is actually just an umbrella term for all the sexual acts. And if you think that sex is just penis and vagina sex, then you're ruling out a whole part of the LGBTQIA plus community and people with different abilities, people who can't have penetration, maybe because of erectile dysfunction or pain. And I, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's layered, babe. I think it's very <laughs> layered. <laughs> so um, you're really passionate about normalising sexuality. Like what kind of change would you like to see ultimately? Like how would you like people's attitudes to change towards sex and talking about it? Look, I'm not asking for a lot. I just want people to be more curious. And even if you think that you have all the answers, continue to be curious because I'm a professional. I've seen a lot of sexual, like, story well i've heard a lot of sexual stories i've seen a lot of these concerns i've been asked like thousands of questions i've also had sex with lots of people so i've like (laughs) you know and different types and i think that if i was to ever feel like i had the answer to everything then i would be a very bad sexologist and for Mm -hmm. anyone like in life you always have to remain open and curious so that's what i'm asking people in the general public to be I think that's also the reason like why we're at this kind of nice stage that we're in now. Of course, there are some real bad issues um, that haven't been focused on, not bad, but like really concerning issues to me, like consent. Mm -hmm. Like why is it 2021 that we're like having the, I know that we've always had these conversations, but it's still not moving where we want it to move. And that's Mm -hmm. obviously due to um, our parliament and our government and, and what's going on there. But I also think like, In terms of everyone else, I remember when I moved back to Australia when I was 26 to start my practice and can you imagine being 26 and like being a clinician? I don't know why anyone booked in with me. (laughs) (laughs) I look at my brother and he's like 28 and I'm like, you're too young. (laughs) It's so crazy. But, um, you know, no one was talking about sex back then. Like they didn't have Mm. sex, like psychosexologists. My social media was, you know, like very low until probably the past like two and a bit years is when it's really Mm -hmm. taken a peak. And you can see larger corporations that are embracing sexual wellness, sexual happiness. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing, you know, a rise of sexologists and still need more. Like I need to hire a lot of sexologists. So if anyone's listening, definitely go do your qualifications because we've got a bit of a lag. Mm -hmm. Um, But definitely, I think that I just want people to stay on this pathway. And I think that it would be really beneficial if we just kept an open mind and had like more sex positive conversations for sure. It has really shifted. It's really shifted. Like I've particularly, and even the way that media, you know, we were talking about with another guest, how sex education, that if I was young and able to watch something like that, as opposed to what we kind of grew up with when I was young and and the depictions of sex. Yeah, it's crazy. That's such a great show. Everyone thinks I'm like the mum on that show, which is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like the mum on the show. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> you host a podcast called Sexy Stories. Uh, can you share a few of your fave stories with us? Or even some that people, I know people send in stories on um, Insta as well. I don't even remember this, guys, because I talk about sex 20, like, every single day. So um, I'm kind of 
like immune now. <laughs> people, I, I think that's a really funny thing because I, I think people expect from me to always be like surprised and like intrigued mm-hmm. and like excited, but it's my job. Like, it's like mm-hmm. you guys talking about beauty all the time. Like, you're like, oh yeah, like it is what it is now. It's not like something that you like I still get excited and I love these stories. Um, and I love hearing that people are having these erotic adventures. Like there is one that's called strangers in the park that one of like our guests sent in and I read it out and it was definitely an interesting one. It was kind of about her and her partner going on a nightly stroll and then getting kinky in the park and then someone else joining them and this happened to them and like that kind of stuff I hear that every single day so um how do people send in submit the stories for sexy stories they're great they email it to sexy stories at chantelotten.com and I go through them except they do need to be like I don't do the editing. If it's not edited, if it's not formatted in the right way, I'm not going to do it because I'm very time poor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really look out for stories that are very articulate, you know, and very, um, you know, detailed. And in terms of what people send me online, like, uh, my embarrassing stories segment is like probably one of my most favorite things. It's when people mm-hmm. send me like an embarrassing story that they've gone through and they, you know, I read out the good ones on my Instagram, um, on my mm. stories. And those are always amazing because it just normalizes the fact that like mm. sex is so messy and it's like, mm. you know, it's not perfect. You're not going to be, it's not like making love in the movies like it's wet Mm. it's a bit yucky sometimes (laughs) you you know you can slip and fall and hurt yourself um and I I love that you know and that all kicked off actually now that I remember it made international news it was on the Daily Mail in the UK and on like the New York New York Post it's because I told a story when Dill, my partner and I got together first time I slept over. I was so nervous that I farted on his leg at night. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I remember like it happened and I like, it wasn't loud, but I like, you know, like you tense up and you're like, I really hope no one noticed it. He wouldn't have known if I hadn't tensed up because he's a paraplegic. Like he can't feel his legs. He would have no idea Mm. if I had just let it go. And he was like, oh, we both tensed up. And then, yeah, that was, that's how that all kind of kicked off. But in terms of sexy stories, I just kind of, I started that podcast because I realized that people also need to get some inspiration as well. I think yeah. that we are lacking inspiration definitely, right now. Definitely. Yeah. And I wanted people to just realize that there are so many people out here that are having like fun, like wild sex. And I think that we should be like, you know, a mm. bit shameless in that we should area. should be celebrating. Totally. That, especially in lockdown. Totally. Yes, this is, that is the podcast I need in lockdown for sure. So anyone listening, go look up sexy stories on um, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So how do you how do you feel emotions like embarrassment or shame or guilt play into our sex lives? Do you find in your work as a sexologist, do you find these sort of negative emotions stop people from exploring their desires? Yeah, I think that any patient that comes to see me will have shame, you know, or mm-hmm. will feel a little bit not so much guilty, like guilty is more, you know, when you've done something wrong. 
Mm-hmm. But because my patients haven't done anything wrong and, you know, I don't see criminals, I only see like yep. general public. Um, I don't really see too much guilt playing into it, but definitely more like embarrassment and shame, especially if they haven't been able to find the answers as to why they're having difficulties. And, you know, actually for a lot of people, there's frustration and anger as well, because they may have gone like years, like years and years with a concern. And they've just been told to take a tablet. Like, you know, one of my friends actually has been going to the doctor for many years now to find out what's going on with her um, gynecological health. And we spent one session together and, you know, with also with one of my colleagues and we had a, a roadmap for what's going on with her. And I just think that it's really hard because a lot of people go into doctors and they expect to get an answer, but there is no sexology training and medical degrees in Australia. They have a one hour lecture on sexual medicine. You know, they don't talk about communication. They don't really talk about like any of the concerns that I see. So if you do want to be a specialist in that area, you have to go and do more, more training for that. And that's Mm. okay. But we are lacking in Australia for sure. So I think like the most important thing to do for me is really debunk the shame. And that starts with like sex education and having a chat around like that everything is kind of common. Like at the end of the day, concerns are common. We're all going to have a sexual problem at some point, myself included. It's just that we're not talking about it openly enough. And yes, it does stop people uh, exploring their desires because they feel like they're broken a lot of the time. You know, they feel like they're kind of, they're just not, it's just not meant to be for them. They're not meant to have pleasure in their lives and like being able to have an answer to what's going on in their body or in their mind or in their sexual life. If it's so hard to find, then it's, they feel like maybe it's not going to be found. Maybe they're just un, like unfixable. So that's absolutely not true. Like, of course we can work on everything and make sure it's good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect every single time, but we just have to get to a place where, you know, our patients feeling happy and supported and good and there is an amount of pleasure in their life and you know they do feel like they have the tools to be able to navigate the step the next steps so yes the answer is everyone has (laughs) embarrassment and shame when they come in so for any of our listeners who are kind of feeling like they do want to explore their sexuality a little bit more and maybe reduce those feelings of shame and they do want to see a sexologist how how do they go about actually doing that well, they can just go onto my website if they want. It's www.chantelotten.com, which will be in the show notes, I'm sure. But, you know, I think start with just exploring people online. Like there are a lot of amazing sexologists out there. Um, I've got a great team as well. You can just look up their profiles on my website. But even like like one of the online courses, if you're feeling like a, a not sure whether you want to be sitting in, in front of someone just yet, you can do it online course like I have a sexual self-esteem course which might be a nice foundation um, Mm. for people to try I also have a premature ejaculation course which is really great Um, but I think that you know even just listening to some great podcasts I've got a generalized podcast coming out about sexuality soon I just I can't release it because I don't know what I want to call it like I've got (laughs) all these episodes recorded and I don't know what to call it so if anyone has ideas please dm me on instagram but 
I think the first step is just like being curious. Like if you don't like your therapist or if you don't like the process, you don't have to see that therapist again. It's not like you're Mm. being locked into someone and you have to see them to be able to get to a better place. Like I myself as a, um, you know, healthcare practitioner, I have seen different therapists over the years. I haven't vibed with all of them. So I've searched for someone different. You know, I think it's really about finding the right person for you and also accepting that you're worth it. Like Mm. your life is worth it. If you're going to be, you know, going into like your nineties or eighties, which most of us are these days, like, I don't want to live, I'm 30 now. I don't want to live the next 50 years of my life without having like a good erotic life. I want to have fun. I want to feel desired. I want to feel pleasure. Not everyone will feel that way, but that's up to you and your situation. That's a great way to end it. I love Mm. that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you? Uh, My Instagram is a great place to start. That's at Chantelle underscore Otten underscore sexologist. And, you know, my website, which we spoke about before. Uh, And I'm really happy to answer questions for anyone and I, hopefully I'll be able to give some information on my Instagram that will help people find some kind of answers. As a longtime follower, yes, <laughs> I definitely will. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, this is James Vivian. And this is Yaz Couchy. And we're the hosts of Bite Size Beauty's next series, Dermal Diaries. That's right, Yads, we'll be peeling back the curtain into the world of dermal therapies. And we'll be extracting the answers to all of your questions. This skin focus series will cover the ins and outs of professional treatments, how to successfully shop for skincare online, know when you've pushed your skin too far, and how to channel your inner dermal therapist. Come with us as we go below the epidermis and share our tips and tricks. Dermal Diaries, starting September the 1st. On Bite Size Beauty. So on to our PWDKWN. So I am actually going to choose a mood setter because I feel like when you've got someone coming over, it's nice to kind of set the vibe. And for me, my favorite scent to burn that is like the sexiest scent that gets me in the mood all the time is even if there's not a man there, even if it's just me and my vibe is Lumira Mm -hmm. Cuban Tobacco. I don't know if you've um, tried that. I talk about it all the time. I have that in my house. I'm looking at it right now. It's amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Vibe setter. It's a vibe setter. I feel like everyone at a door loves this. So we call it hot man smell over on BDIQ Uncensored. It's basically like a spicy cocktail of tobacco, patchouli and cardamom. Do you know what it reminds me of? I was overseas and I went to this like speakeasy, like this secret speakeasy with this guy. I was dating overseas and I remember we like had to knock on the door and they let us in and I remember going, we went underground and it was kind of – it was in a country where you could smoke inside. So it was like smoky and sexy and it was mm. I was with him. And so whenever I think of, whenever I smell that scent, I remember that night and it's just like that sexy, I don't know, underground speakeasy vibe that it always reminds me of. So that's why I love, I that. love that scent so much. I always find fragrance, like if I'm going on a date and I – 
when you you like have that fragrance that you put on that kind of like makes you feel really sexy. So fragrance to me is so important for like getting the mood right. Definitely, yeah. I feel like it resets the energy of totally. Of the whole room, yeah, which is especially important in lockdown when you've been, probably been working, sleeping, living, eating in the same room all day, every day. It's so nice to light a beautiful candle like that. Shift the mood, get your vibe out, get your partner out, whatever's happening. And yeah, yeah, live a little. I agree. I think that's a nice one. What's your product today? My product that I didn't know I needed is a new vibe from Smile Makers. It's called Mm -hmm. The Poet. Great name. Oh, such a good name, right? (laughs) Such Um, a good name. I honestly didn't think I needed any more clitoral <laughs> suction devices and yet a new one comes and I find that I did in fact need it. Each of them has a slightly different sensation, I will say that. I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. It's definitely not like, oh, that's just that type of vibrator and they all feel mm. the same. No, they, they don't. slightly different energy. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, it's a very pretty shape. It looks like a flower yes. and the feel of it, like in your hand even, is so lovely. It's just really soft silicon. It's got a couple of different settings, but a thing that's really cool about it is it you can like squeeze it to give it like extra intensity rather than like pressing a button to change oh, to change I the intensity. Love that. Do you know why? Because sometimes you're in the moment and you just can't press that like that button. Yeah, just... and you're like, oh, where's the button? And you got to like look at it and like, am I pressing it hard enough? Yeah, this one is just like a squeeze, which I think wow. is I'm just having a look such, at it now. Such a great innov- innovation. Oh yeah, it does. It has like a little squeezy bit that you just right. Love yeah, that. It's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah, so it's got three little like interchangeable mouths essentially that you can like mm-hmm. clip onto it to sort of switch up um, how it feels. It's, yeah, it's great. It's definitely um, the poet is a very welcome uh, introduction into my my vibe wardrobe. Amazing. Well, I cannot believe it's over, Sam. This was our last episode of After Dark. I want to do more. I'll really miss talking about sex with you and I'll really miss telling you about my vulnerability diarrhea. Like I'm glad that I really, I'm glad I admitted that to all these people. But anyway... 